Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. Governor Greg Abbott said Wednesday that Texas is now busing illegal border crossers to Chicago, along with New York City and Washington, D.C. Abbott said that Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot loves to tout that her city welcomes illegal immigrants. Lightfoot's office accused Abbott of having no shame or humanity. Both D.C. and New York mayors have complained that they lack resources. D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser has called it a humanitarian crisis and twice asked President Biden to send in the National Guard. Her requests were denied. By sending buses to sanctuary cities, Abbott says he hopes to make a point about the impact of Biden's, quote, open border policies. They are seeing the chaos that has been caused by the Biden administration. Well, I got news for New York. I got news for Washington, D.C., as well as the rest of the country. We are not done yet. There are more cities on our list. Abbott is also trying to provide relief to overrun border towns. The governor plans to keep the buses running until the president secures the border. The border crisis is not the only issue affecting Texas. The Lone Star State is known for its energy production, but as energy policies become more restrictive, the state is faced with massive challenges. We sat down with Texas Congresswoman Beth Van Doyne. Congresswoman, I want to ask you, uh, Texas is a, obviously a big energy producing state. How have the policies of the Biden administration affected uh, the people of Texas? Well, you know, you think about it, it's not just the direct um, energy companies. Um, um, it's all the, the indirect, you know, um, tangential companies as well. Um, it has affected them in a really disastrous manner, as it has people from across the country. You know, if you're looking at um, the industry itself and how the Biden administration policies have basically demonized that entire industry, um, layers upon layers of regulation, um, warning banks don't do business with these companies because they're not going to be in existence in 10 years. Um, not to mention the fact that what, what it's sending to the rest of the world. You know, two years ago, we were energy independent. You know, regulations were going away. You know, they were being much more streamlined. Um, and we were a, 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 a very attractive uh, energy market. And not only were we able to provide for the needs of our country and for our state, but also for the needs of other countries. So we were be able to have that kind of influence without even having to use our military. And now it's disastrous policies. And not to mention the fact that everybody is paying more at the pump paying so much more at the pump, which affects anything that you purchase, any service that you buy. And, you know, the working families that have to drive the longest distance to get to, to, to their jobs are suffering. So how much of the uh, energy crisis has to do with the war that we're seeing in uh, Ukraine? I love that that is the cop-out of this administration, but from day one, the Biden administration all, already had formed a war against U.S. energy companies. From day one, you know, through an executive order, Biden uh, shut down the expansion of the Keystone Pipeline, immediately started adding additional regulations, added trillions of dollars in policies that adversely negatively affected the energy industry, while at the same time, um, greatly almost grossly subsidizing markets that directly competed with it. You know, we look in Texas, for example, um, we look at our grid here, third largest in the country. Um, we have already had 25 different records that have been set from this hot summer already. If we had relied solely on renewable energies, over half of the state during peak times 
would not have had, would have would have been in a blockout. 37% of our energy use in Texas is renewables. And there were times during peak needs that our wind energy was at 2% capacity. And what ends up happening is these super subsidies are given to the renewable energies. And when they make bids, they can underbid the thermal providers, the thermal energy providers, which really distorts what the market is. And it pushes prices higher for the energy company, the thermal energy companies, and it pushes them out. But the fact is, is that if we want reliable power. The reliable power right now is found in thermals, it's found in coal, it's found in liquid natural gas, it's found in nuclear, and we are doing nothing but pushing them outside of the market. We're relying on renewable energies, which is not reliable. Um, and as a result, you're seeing people across the state during these triple digits uh, heat wave actually dying. Do you envision a path? Is there a pathway to, you know, have more renewables and at the same time go back to producing energy on our own? It's, it's absolutely imperative that we have diverse form, forms of energy. I don't think anybody's dis disagreeing with that. But the fact is, is that you are using taxpayer dollars to cripple the ener energy industry. We will never be dependent 100% on renewable energies. It will not happen. They don't have enough power and they don't have enough consistency during peak times. So instead of making an enemy out of the U.S. energy market, instead of having to rely on foreign powers and foreign countries that are many times adverse to U.S. interests, look at what we have here in the U.S. We have the cleanest energy in the world. Why are we not using that? Why are we going to Saudi Arabia? Why are we going to Venezuela? Places that produce energy a lot dirtier than we do. If our focus is on having a clean, clean environment, then look at U.S. energy production, but stop punishing it. If you could just kind of break down how energy is tied into national security. Well, look at, basically in order to be able to have manufacturing, in order to be able to have any kind of industry, you need to have reliant, resilient, and affordable energy. When we start messing with that, that formula, it pushes those manufacturing companies to other countries. It forces us to be reliant for simple things like gas, like heat and, and energy in our houses, electricity in our houses. It forces us to look at other suppliers. And in some instances, those other suppliers are countries that wish us harm. So from a purely national perspective of what we need to be able to be independent for our own country, looking at U.S. production is the better way to go. Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, thank you. Thank you very much. It's great to see you. Recently, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg admitted to suppressing the story of Hunter Biden's laptop and claimed the FBI warned them to watch for misinformation. Some have argued that the suppression of this story could have been enough to sway the 2020 election in favor of President Biden. The laptop's contents are still under investigation by the FBI, with many questions remaining. It's the topic of a new film called My Son Hunter, which is distributed by Breitbart News. I had a chance to sit down with editor-in-chief at Breitbart, Alex Marlowe, and director of the new film, Robert Davi. Here's a look. Robert Davi, Alex Marlowe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us, Steve. It's great, great to, be, to here. be here. So tell us why my son, Hunter. Well, I think it's quite obvious at this point. You know, <laughs> if anyone has any awareness of what's been happening in our country and in the world, uh, of watching the 
Russian collusion led by Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi in our country, a false narrative that was paid for by the Clinton campaign. Um, the American people, and myself included, watching now this unfolding of the laptop story of Hunter Biden um, and the deliberate squelching or squashing of that story by the media, by now we find out law enforcement, everything else, uh, that, that frustration of not telling the story was brewing inside me. And uh, this film came along to me from the Unreported Story Society, from uh, Phelim and Anne and Magda. And uh, I, I wanted to tell the story, but I wanted to tell it uh, that wasn't demonizing, you know? I wanted to be able to... Andrew Breitbart, as Alex knows, said, and he was a friend of both of ours, that politics is downstream from culture. And for the most part, conservative filmmaking tends to be an echo chamber of... And it misses something, I think, culturally. So I wanted to be able to tell the story and direct it that was uh, more of a, a bridge. Uh, I don't demonize his drug addiction, and I don't... Uh, um, it's about a relationship between a father and a son while showing the corruption of and the underbelly of this whole thing. Alex, I want to ask you, this is Breitbart's first uh, major venture into uh, the film distribution uh, area. Uh, why this film for you guys? There's a few reasons why it was this film that we chose. So we'd always had this idea that we wanted to go beyond being just a news company and being much more multimedia digital entertainment eventually. But we had to have the right push over that cliff, and that was seeing this film, because Robert was a longtime friend of Andrew Breitbart, and we know he's a consummate professional in Hollywood. He's a rare case of someone who has been an open conservative for decades and has still had a big career in Hollywood. And uh, we'd seen the Dukes. We'd been familiar with his vision. And then we saw the film, and the film does two things truly brilliant. First of all, this is not a DIY low-rent production. This is glossy, this is Hollywood, and this is the type of stuff that people come to associate with going to the movies or watching your favorite movie. So it had that element of it. But then it had the historical context. And the historical context isn't just meaningful, it is, which a, all the details of Hunter's life, Joe Biden's life, the Biden family, the highlights or lowlights of their apparent corruption. Uh, but it was also laugh out loud hilarious. It was uproariously funny. And it was funny not just because Robert's got a gift for that stuff, which, which he's got great timing, anyone who knows him knows that, but the literal quotes, the things that have happened in Hunter Biden's life are truly stranger than fiction. And that comes out so clearly in the film. So we knew this is the one. We got to do it. We're diving in. I have to say, if you watch the trailer, um, you would think, oh, this is typical Hollywood. But if you actually watch some of those videos, uh, which many journalists and others have, it doesn't seem to be too far from the truth. Yeah, no, it's, it's not at all. It's very much rooted in the truth. The vast majority of the movie is, I would say, is truthful. And the, ar the artistic liberties that are taken really do enhance the story. They make it come to life. It's the exact type of historical fiction that you would want to see on screen. It's a perfect use of the medium. And that's why we think that we want to get at the biggest audience possible. And when the opportunity came up to try to do that, that's why we're here. Robert, I have to ask you, um, who do you have to thank more right now, uh, Joe Rogan or Mark Zuckerberg? <laughs> I think a combination of Joe Rogan, Mark Zuckerberg, and Bill Maher. Bill Maher confronted Rob Reiner, who's the 
great director, terrific person. I've known him, different political ideologies than both of us. But he, he actually questioned Rob Reiner saying, uh, what about this laptop now that the FBI and it's proven that this happened and that? And he, had a, he couldn't admit it. It's the most fascinating study in denial. So the combination of Zuckerberg and also, you know, I mean, think about this. Rudy Giuliani, great American, remember? Revered at one time. Rudy Giuliani, his house was raided, or they went to, the, to get things from his house. He had two laptops on a shelf on a table. They were taking things. He says, don't you want these? And uh, they said, what are those? He goes, that's Hunter Biden's laptop. And they go, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't want those. The American people have been told those things don't exist. Or they've been misled. Alex, if you could just tell us, how uh, is the film going to be distributed? When are people going to be able to watch it? How can they watch it? September 7th, mysonhunter.com. Easy as pie, mysonhunter.com. Super easy to get it that way, mysonhunter.com. That's all I can say. Alex Marlowe, Robert Davi, thank you so much. Thank you for having us, Steve. Thank you. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.